Yar, you got lost at sea. Yar, there be stormy withers a brewing. <laughs> okay, I think Chessbeard's had enough rum. Uh, let's roll the theme song. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Hundred episode, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. It's the podcast about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table. I'm Alan. I'm Sean. And this is our big 100th episode, Sean. (laughs) That's pretty exciting because, uh, what was it we were talking about? Maybe SBJ mentioned like how long most podcasts last. It's like the first three months of the hardest, right? Or the first six months, or maybe it's even the first four episodes. So it's a really big deal to me that we made it to 100. That's insane. Especially when we started this out. If you could say, like, fast forward in the future, do you think we'll have 100 episodes? I don't think we would have said no, but I think we would have said, like, well, let's just focus on getting this done today. It's been quite a journey. And not only is it the 100 episode, but because it ends in a zero, you know what else that means, Sean? It's a zero episode. It is a zero episode! Cue in music. Zero episode is basically a launch pad for new listeners. And I think we're going to get a whole bunch of new listeners because we're going to be doing the live podcast at Shucks, the Shut Up and Down Expo. And I'm going to guess a whole bunch of people in that audience never even heard of the Tuesday Night Podcast. So maybe we'll get a boost and maybe they'll listen to this 100 zero episode. And this is where we're supposed to talk about everything we've done and the changes we've gone through. So people aren't lost when they're listening to the podcast. So they don't have to listen to all 100 they can just start here and feel comfortable we got to talk about chess beard we got to talk about table talk right we got to tell them about our little inside jokes the segments we do we probably have to do an elevator pitch don't we (laughs) we probably should do one yeah that's a really good point Let's get some of those out of the way right now. Captain Chessbeard is our sound engineer that tries to keep everything on schedule and under budget. I guess that's a joke because we don't have a budget. (laughs) This actually costs us money. So I I... anyway, so Captain Chessbeard is pirate guy. We do elevator pitches in a minute. We try to explain the soul of a game. I think one thing from the start, episode one, coming all the way to episode 100, we've really kind of carved out what the show's more about. And I think the show has become more about the stories that not only come from us, but also from our listeners. And what do we call our listeners? They're knaves. And some of them, some of the lucky ones are knights. Sean, I don't understand. How does a knave become a knight? That's a great question, Alan. Well, like you were just saying, as we've grown and sort of evolved, the show's become more about the stories that happen around and under and on your table, as opposed to just being, you know, a show about games or reviews or anything like that. And the way our knaves become knights is they send in a recorded story. It doesn't have to be great audio quality. It can be long, short, whatever. It doesn't have to be dramatic or sad or anything, but just a story that has to do with you and games. It could be a game you bought or got for Christmas one year and it just, you know, made your day or it could be... Some of our listeners, it's how they met their wives. We just want to hear more from people about how their lives have intersected with gaming. You send in one of those, we put it on the show, and then we knight you. 
Speaking of which, why don't we just show our newest listeners, our newest knaves, what we mean with a knave tonight submission. We already have a good strong backlog of other knights that were previously knaves. First one, Sir Byron Morgan, Sir Will Bowler. You remember him? He was the Black Knight. We got Sir Delton Brack and Gary Pope and Sir James York, who got to think because he has the record label Cheat Beats, which he has on Bandcamp. He gave us permission to use all of his music royalty-free. There's also a female knight, and she wanted the title Dame, Dame Becky Rolf. What would you call a female knight, Sean? I don't know, a badass? Uh, what do they call Brian of Tarth? Yeah, that's the biggest question, and we addressed that on the episode with Becky Rolf. So she preferred Dame. You get to choose your title when you come on as a knight, but... Why don't we go with our newest submission? And this one is interesting, and I think you'll be able to tell exactly why. So how about I just play this thing, and then you tell me why this Knave Tonight submission is a little bit more interesting, perhaps, to you, Sean. You ready for this? I'm hoping you just play, like, three minutes of a bear yelling in the woods. It's like, wow, <laughs> got some bear listeners out there. Here we go. Hello, knaves and knights. This is Ben Canellis, and for this 100th episode of the TKG podcast, I'd like to celebrate by sharing my story of the very first time I went to Alan's Tuesday night gathering. Alan and I knew each other from a couple of gaming events, but I didn't know much more about him other than he was nice. He was, in fact, very nice. So nice that my wife and I like to joke that he was a serial killer's level of nice. So, when I got invited to his gaming event, I was happy to go, but my wife jokingly said to me before I left, just don't get murdered out in the woods. I didn't think much of it until I reached the house, which was in a very secluded area that was heavily wooded, far back off the street. And I pulled up, there was no lights on and no other cars. In fact, when I got inside, it was just Alan and a couple members of his family. Alan said, I'm sorry, Ben. I thought there would be some other people, but you're the only one tonight. But we can still have a good time. I thought he was talking about just playing board games or something of the like, but he suggested maybe we should go out and see the ledges. And his family members thought it was a great idea, so I agreed. Finding out that the ledges is a rock formation about a half hour's hike into the woods. I just decided to go along with it, and pretty soon I found myself basically jogging to keep up with the very athletic and fit Alan through the woods as dark began to fall. And that's when it hit me. My wife was right. I was a dead man walking. He was taking me out to his murder place, and I would just be another victim of the serial killer's friendliness. But that's not what happened. The ledges were actually very nice. It's a cool little rock formation. And by the time we got back to the house after our hike, more people had arrived and we had a good night of gaming and I've made many lifelong friends at Alan's Tuesday night gathering. So 
I highly suggest if you don't have a weekly game night to start one up yourself and start inviting people, even invite the people who seem too friendly to be real because you might have a nice Alan Girding enter into your life in that way. Thanks, knaves and knights. Hope you guys have a great 100th episode. That's a great that's a great submission. I mean, I love Ben. He's our weenie, our resident weenie. He's always been a big fan and great friend and a great game designer, but he's not describing a super crazy like I could totally get that impression. You could have been playing werewolf out in the middle of the woods. Your family's house is way back off the main road. If you were just going there to a stranger's place for the first time, the house is huge, there's a lot of empty rooms. I could totally see why it'd be terrifying. Not to mention that Jeffrey Dahmer is a local to your area. <laughs> Grew up just down the street. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer grew up down the street. All those things like together absolutely combine to sort of create that <laughs> sort of terrifying feeling. We know Ben as a resident weenie because he was in our Gen Con Live podcast episodes, both of them, both this recent Gen Con podcast and the one before that, because he likes to volunteer for us at the convention. So we know Ben. He is a good friend of ours. So this is the first time we've had a friend write in, a personal friend that we have a back history with. And he he has so many issues with fear and anxiety. So it's even perfect coming from Ben. Man, Ben, thank you so much for sending this in. But do we actually, should we knight him, Sir Weenie? Do we actually make this an official knighting? I would love to knight him, Sir Weenie. If he doesn't like that name, I'd be happy to change it and he could pick his own. But uh, I, I love having a Sir Weenie. I think he'll own it because what did he do at our last Gen Con podcast? He showed up in a full-size human hot dog outfit, like a human hot dog costume. It was amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so I think he owns it. Well then, Ben Kinellis, take a knee and allow us, the fellow knights and knaves of the Tuesday Night Podcastle, to dub thee Sir Weenie. And rise, rise as one of us, rise, Sir Weenie, a knight of the Tuesday night gaming table. Congratulations, Ben, no longer a meager listener, nor a volunteer at our booth. No, sir, you've made it, Sir Weenie. Thanks so much for submitting, Ben. We really appreciate that. And Ben's also a big deal, too. Besides being our friend and being a volunteer, Sean, tell me why Ben's a big deal. I love throwing the ball over to you. His new game, um, Red Scare, is going to be a huge hit. It's just gorgeous. One of my favorite box packaging in the world. It's got unique mechanics that integrate in with a cool theme. And it's uh, Pandasaurus put it out. And they're sort of like coming up huge. So I think think we're going to see a lot of strong, good games from him. Red Scare sold out at Gen Con. So super cool. But that's basically what it means to go from a knave to a knight. Let's go back a little bit and talk about Chessbeard a bit more. Because this last weekend was a big deal for Chessbeard. Our captain, if you will, was invited to officiate at a wedding. And Sean, I'm pretty excited to reveal to you some behind-the-scenes looks. Because I was able to record Captain Chessbeard practicing his officiant speech for the couple-to-be. And I also got a chance to interview the couple. So, listen to this.
see here. Hmm. Address the congregation. Land lubbers and sailors alike, please be seated so that we may raise the mizzens on this wedding ceremony. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Approach the father and bride as they're coming down. Ask the father, who be this that be giving away Michelle Alamdari? Good, all right. You got her name right, I'm pretty sure. Um, he's going to say, your mother and father be... I say, very well, and then I tell the congregation, please you all be seated. Then I escort her back. Hope I can talk better than I'm talking now during the wedding. This would be horrible. Alright, so then, congregation, good friends and crewmates alike, we be here to celebrate the love and the joyous union between this here couple, Robert Cox and Lady Michelle Alamdari. All right, good. You're getting her name down. I'm feeling better about this. All right, moving on. <clears throat> we not only be witnesses as they be joined as one in the sight of this here company and of the Gons, but as active advocates of their marriage. We be not mere passengers on their journey, but active crewmates on this marital ship aiding in its maintenance, its course, and its longevity. Yeah, this is sounding pretty good. All right, let's get real. If any cur here be not up to this charge, if ye be sitting here now thinking these two should not be joined in the bonds of matrimony, or even if ye not be willing to encourage this perpetual union when the seas they be at their stormiest, well then, speak ye now, or forever provide not silence, but support ye are. All right, then you wait. No one says anything, then guess we're going through with this thing, so then uh, I should say what I've written here. Well then, let us set sail on this here adventure. Turn to the couples. Talk about the three trials. <clears throat> <clears throat> In my own seafaring travels, I've seen much, heard more, and felt immeasurable amounts. But when it comes to the successful binding of two into one, my journeys have taught me this. There be three trials to superior sailing on the infinite sea of love. Each be more harrowing than the last. But tame these trying three in every instance in which they arise, and find yourselves stronger, happier, and more together than ever before. Surrender, succumb, oh no, or admit defeat, hmm, and find your marital ship quickly taking in the dark, stormy waters of despair. The three trials, they be the trial of secrets, the trial of spirit, and the trial of conflict. Oh, the trial of secrets be the first. Have ye no secrets between the two of ye? Not a one. Secrets be the seeds of separation. Secrets be meant for two, but ye, ye be binding into one. Unburden yourselves of such anchors and feel the joyous levity complete transparency brings ye. 
let all future secrets be mischievously kept within your marriage and never between your marriage. You see, never between the two of ye. Right. Right. The second trial, yeah, that be the trial of spirit. No matter where either of ye be, be sure your spirits be always together. Always act and forever speak as if ye would while the other be by your sign. Four ears, four eyes, and two hearts. No matter the distance, no matter the company, the time, or place. Always carry the spirit of the other. Behave as ye would if the other were there. Hmm. The third and final trial be the most challenging. Master it may take a lifetime, but mastering it may not be required. All ye need provide is simple, wholehearted, genuine effort. The third trial, it be the trial of conflict. Never avoid conflict, nay. You see, ye must embrace it. Bring your discontent to life. Give it voice. Arr, the moment ye avoid conflict for the sake of peace, ye actually be sowing the storm of misery. Hold your tongue for others, perhaps, but holding your tongue for one another, that be betrayal. For it is only through conflict that ye grow and thrive. Denying the fight is denying the opportunity for strengthening bonds, for forgiveness, and for deeper understanding. Denying the fight is denying nourishment. The trial of conflict, though, does not imply cruelty, nay, harshness, or hostility. Ye must fight, but ye must fight fair. Ye must argue, but ye must be the physical embodiment of empathy. Conflict, collide, clash, but communicate. Remember, there be two sides, but it be the same coin. The better the fight, the better the forever. The success of a marriage is not measured by the times of bliss, nay, but it be measured in the recovery from the ugly. Remember, never avoid conflict. Always carry the spirit of the other. Share all secrets. Yeah. Right, and then there's the exchanging of the vows. I address the bride and the groom. Start with the bride, Chessbeard. Don't ruin this. This isn't your first journey on the sea here. We talked about metallitude on episode 99 with Kilhova. So what's just the same? Just be between a man and a woman this time. Alright. Alright, after the bride, then the groom states the vows. And then there be the hand fasting ceremony. Yeah, you've done that a time or two. That'd be good. Well, our bodies not be infinite, our love, we are, that be our look into infinity, hence the infinity knot. <laughs> ah, Robert and Michelle, I think this wedding do all right, and uh, I think you two be a fine couple. You better give me some room to lubricate my courage. <laughs> I'm gonna get like this, it's gonna get really creepy. <laughs>
So I'm here with Mr. and Mrs. Alamdari. You guys just got married. Congratulations. Thank you. There was something really cool about your wedding. I was honored to be a part of it. First of all, what was more interesting about your wedding than maybe the typical church-going wedding with a white dress and that kind of thing? I'd say there's two things. One, it was in a castle. Two, it was Renaissance-themed. Lots of pirates as well. <laughs> Lots of pirates. So speaking of which, where did you guys get engaged? Here. And here is Ravenwood Castle. The reason I'm talking to you now is that you picked Captain Chessbeard to officiate your wedding, which our knights and knaves have heard on occasion. How was it? Captain Chessbeard was above and beyond expectation. He was spectacular. Multiple people after the wedding came up and talked about how the wedding was such fun with the ceremony itself and how the speech was way over the top and amazing. Oh, cool. <laughs> I'll let Captain Chessbeard know. Wow. I know he was really honored to be there. What made you think, oh, Captain Chessbeard? Well, the mad professor was telling us about his friend, Captain Chessbeard, who was shamelessly pandering this game that his friend makes. <laughs> and we decided that that would be amazing for our wedding. You went ahead and had me be the liaison for you and Captain Chessbeard, and you asked Captain Chessbeard to officiate your wedding. How is it? It's the next day. Do you guys feel any different? Freedom's gone. Don't do it. <laughs> Not really. No difference yet? Yeah. It's... People can't even get our name right yet. So that's true. It's hard to feel different. How do people mostly screw up your name? They, they call us Cox. Instead of the usual uh, taking my name, we took her name. Mm -hmm. Partly because hers doesn't suck as much. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know yet, when they say they call them cocks, it's because Robert, your surname, I believe is what it's called, mm -hmm. is Cox, C-O-X. Yes. But you took on Michelle's last name. Do you want to share as to why the progressive? Is it just because the last name it was time for a change? One, my last name is horrible. Everyone, if you have that last name, change it. Do your kids a favor. <laughs> Two, it's not really that crazy. I mean, it's been a Japanese culture thing for years, and I had no problem with it. I just didn't want to have to change my name and fill out the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> my own wife, she's going to hate me for saying this. Two years before she changed her last name. She's like, the paperwork, it's just, it's so hard to do. Changing your name's tough. Oh, it's going to be like months before I get to the social security office. I'm just like, eh, no. <laughs> it's going to take time. Were you guys nervous during the ceremony? I was nervous for my vows, but mostly because I wrote them that morning. <laughs> yeah, I had to like pull them out of my bra to read them to him because I didn't have time to like memorize them. I wasn't nervous, but her vowels were great. I don't know why she was nervous. Me, I, I was simple. Any advice you give newlyweds now that you're so experienced getting married at a castle and being married by pirates and having a medieval wedding? What have you learned from this experience? Give you a piece of advice for weddings. It goes like this. If you guys don't want to do it at your wedding, and a person who's saying do it, is it paying for your wedding? Don't let that stress be there. Just do what you want. Anyone else, they can be damned. But the exception is if they're paying for the wedding, maybe. Yeah, they're paying. They, they, can say, they have to say if they're paying, but if they're not paying, too bad. <laughs> It'll save you a lot of stress. Any advice? Two things to be prepared for. One, know what you want. And two, be prepared for literally everyone to tell you what you should do for your wedding. Everyone will have unsolicited advice for you. Just like this. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. This is where the fuck off comes to help. <laughs> 
very nice guys in a very not nice way, but I totally agree because it's your day, right? It's been done. It's in the past. It's yesterday. It probably hasn't settled in yet, but did it feel like your day? Yeah. Everything was how we wanted it. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was busier than I thought it would be. We played a lot of games. All the games. All of them. Any games stand out that you played? Like, let's go through the list. What games did we play? Werewolf. We played... One Night Ultimate Werewolf. One Night Ultimate Werewolf, yes. We played Red Dragon Inn and Iron and Ale. Iron and Ale. And the Slug RPG. I know you guys went in the other room and played something, but... Oh, yeah, I played Trickster when we were in the other room. And someone else played Splendor during the weekend. That's right, Splendor. Nice. So it was a nice game-rich weekend. It's like, let's get married and then let's start playing games. Very cool. Anything you want to tell our knaves or knights, our listeners? Play Red Dragon Inn. It's hilariously entertaining. Um, don't stay up for 36 hours straight and then try to play an RPG. Got it. <laughs> It was a good RPG. Thank you guys so much, and congratulations. Such an honor to be invited, and Captain Chessbeard, I know. He was really thrilled. He had to set sail. So, thanks, guys. (laughs) Ah, it was super fun. One of the coolest things about being part of the wedding, I was able to bring my video camera and film Captain Chessbeard performing the service. So hopefully we will upload that to our Tuesday Night Games YouTube channel at some point. So if you knaves or knights want to see it, or even you, Sean, we can do that. But we got to move on, trying to keep this episode a nice, crisp 100 minutes. So we still got a lot more in store. I think we should talk about what we want to do in the future. So are there any new segments that you'd like to see or any new emphasis that you want to take this show, Sean? I definitely want to do a segment called SBJ Complains. I think that would be just golden. I reached out to him. He did not respond. (laughs) You didn't hear back from him? That's funny. Well, he's going to have to do it sooner or later, whether he likes it or not. For those of you who don't know, SBJ was a former host of ours and close friend, and we love working with him, but he's off doing bigger and better things. But he uh, he can complain with the best of them about games that are super popular, <laughs> things like that. So I'd love to have him on every now and then and just bring down the energy on the show a little bit. More Nave Tonight submissions. I've been wanting to do some more like in-depth histories of like uh, certain genres or games, like delving into a mechanic. Where did it come from? That would be really interesting to me, personally. Well, I asked the knaves what they would want, and some of them wrote in. And here's what some wrote in. Howdy. It's time for Interaction Satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Sir Byron Morgan, the first night, said, top five lists. He wants us to get into the top five list business. <laughs> Greg Harshman writes in and says, break down what makes Inception such a great movie. You can go fuck yourself, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sean and I, in a bonding moment between us, our mutual opinion for the movie Inception. It was one of those moments that I realized, okay, this guy and me... We can talk about movies together. (laughs) I strongly dislike the movie Inception. And you said something along the lines of, 
oh, thank God, me too. Or maybe it was vice versa. I forget. (laughs) And that might be both of our second loves, you know, as opposed to, I really like reading and writing and you really like psychology and that sort of stuff. But both of us really, I wouldn't say we're movie buffs, but I mean, you've watched so many movies and that was a large part of my background. It was nice having that, that secondary passion. Yeah, I got my degree in theater and philosophy because I did a lot of time doing cinematic literature. But for some strange reason, in the Venn diagram overlap, those classes counted as theater classes and they counted as philosophy classes. It was really bizarre. So I basically tricked the system into getting me a dual degree there. Crazy. Love movies. I almost want to have a segment all about movies on our podcast, but I I think we'd be dirtying the well there. We should keep focused. Focused. Ricardo writes in and says, a two-hour special showcasing the best of Tuesday night podcast. Mmm. I like that. I like that. Sir Greg Fensk. You know, Greg, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Fensk, Fensky, Fensk. You say just knight me over and over again, so you should let us know how I should be saying your name, Greg. I'll just call you Sir Greg in the meantime. And Brian Kerrigan, or as we know him, BK, writes in and says, A full game of Twilight Imperium. (laughs) I'd be willing to do it for sure. (laughs) I mean, I could come over sometime, we could just set up the recorder. And uh, chop it up into 400 episodes. It could be its own podcast in and of itself. I was going to say the exact same thing. It could be its own podcast. But Sean, you know what? I actually listened to one of those ideas. Are you ready for a new segment? Yes, I am ready for a new segment. And now it's time for the Tuesday Night Top 5. (laughs) That's pretty good. You like that? (laughs) Yeah. Someone already wrote in, and it was Sir Byron Morgan, or as I call him, the first knight. First knight Morgan, because he was the first one who wrote in a submission. He wrote in some top five episodes. You want to hear them starting at the bottom? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now it's time for the Tuesday Night Top Five! Whoops. (laughs) Ignore that. (laughs) I love it. All right, gather around all fellow knights and knaves. It's Byron Morgan, the first official Tuesday night of the Tuesday Night Board Game Podcast. I am here to lend my top five favorite episodes for the 100th episode. Again, congratulations, Alan and Sean. It's been amazing episodes, but here's the highlights. Top five. This goes to episode 85, where you learn that Alan's dad is a god amongst men. It's a special Father's Day episode where it's Alan and his dad talking a little back and forth about the games they've been playing. You find out that Alan's dad has a million things that he's done in his life. You find out that he developed a medical computer program. The thing that really stood out to me is that Alan's parents play games, even if it's Scrabble or Backgammon. They play a ton of games together, just like my parents, so that kind of took a little place in my heart and kind of relate a little bit. A couple things in the show that are kind of very interesting are, Alan shows something that I do in my life all the time, is you find a game that someone loves, in this case, Alan's dad plays poker every week, and you have to translate it to our modern day hobby board gaming, and kind of teases a little bit about how poker can be translated to the Hocus card game something i do a lot in my life so it really was interesting to kind of hear that little tidbit and i wish it would elaborate a little more on it 
But also they talk about Exit the board game. At the time it hadn't won Spiel de Jahres, but it shows how mass market, big appeal games like Exit, like Ticket to Ride, like Carcassonne, all the Spiel de Jahres nominees and winners can appeal to everybody no matter what their age is. And it shows the big outreach that board games have. It's not just for kids, it's not just for nerds, it's for everybody. Sean, react to his number five choice. His number five choice? I think it's funny because the thing I love about your dad is his stories. He's just such a funny guy. I remember one night I was up at your place and uh, he knew a guy who was, I think it's called Provost. Basically, it's like if all the nuclear bombs dropped during the Cold War, you are provisionally selected to be in charge. And during like the 80s or the 70s, he knew the guy who was like provost for like 24 hours. But I think he knew the guy who was provost during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Anyway, what cracked me up about that was just, it was like so late at night and your dad told me this story. It was like 45 minutes long. And we're just like standing in the kitchen and I'm just like, this is insane. What is he even talking about? He's just been a good tail weaver. So I think uh, it's a great choice for number five. Yeah, it's fascinating, too, because he wasn't all that comfortable on the microphone. My mother and father have both been on the show. My mother for Mother's Day, my father for Father's Day. And both of them basically have the attitude of, what the hell are you putting this microphone in my face for? It's just totally not into it. But they were good sports and they shared. I have so many dad stories, almost all of them way too inappropriate for me to share anywhere to anyone for any reason whatsoever. This is another thing I learned from my father. Your children will remember your dirty jokes because my father never censored himself. And all the time as a little kid, I'd say, I don't get it, dad. I don't get the joke as he's telling it to his adult friends. And he'd say, you'll get it when you're older. But then sure enough, when I got to be like eight and 13, I'd be like, oh, (laughs) that's why the pervert crossed the road. Now I get it. Your parents are not shy in person either, so it's just got to be a microphone thing or something, but that cracks me up. I think it's almost a sign of their distaste for some of the things that I do. I think we should get your dad on for the next Father's Day. Oh, ho, ho. think your dad would be willing to come on? It's possible. You could talk about his experiences in China, because your dad has like an apartment in China, doesn't he? He uh, speaks Chinese pretty fluently. Uh, he's over there a decent amount. But your dad isn't Chinese at all. No, my dad's white. Yeah, <laughs> those are the options. The boxes are Chinese, white. He's Texan, as you are. Well, instead of just telling our knaves about talking to my father... Here's a little snippet of me talking to my father, and it just so happened to be on his birthday. I asked him what he thought and how he felt about being in the number five top episode. I'm here with my father, Dr. Robert Gerding. Hey, you were just voted top five episodes, number five. How does it feel, Dad, that so many people loved your episode? It makes me wonder about the people who listen to your show. (laughs) (laughs) But since that recording, that Father's Day episode, we've played all three of the Exit the Games. So there was the Pharaoh's Tomb, the Laboratory, and the Hidden Cabin. What did you think of all three of them? Well, I thought all of them were great. I think probably... The laboratory, which I thought was going to be my favorite, was the most linear, things just followed in line. Whether it was the third one we did together or it was the easiest, it's hard to tell, but it seemed to be smoother than the other two. 
Yeah, because you said we definitely hit the least amount of hiccups with right. the lab, but we did have the experience. So just like doing crossword puzzles, you definitely learn yeah. how to play the game and how puzzles work. Right. Exactly right. It's difficult to say whether it was an easier puzzle or it was just easier because it was the third in a series. The one that was the most interesting was the first one we played. Which was the Pharaoh's Tomb. Right, and that was because it was totally new to me and I had not a clue what I was doing, but it was fun. Yeah, I think at the very least, right when we opened the second and third game, we knew right away that we would have to translate symbols into numbers or whatever this decoder ring was. Right. You know, it's a quick learning curve that you realize after the first game, the other two games decidedly are simpler to overcome some of the hurdles. The one thing you said is that the laboratory version of Exit the Game was more linear. And I think what you meant by that, and I totally agree, is if I remember correctly, the other puzzles, sometimes you add two, maybe even three puzzles. You three can puzzles to Two or three puzzles to solve at the same time to get out. Whereas in the laboratory, you solve one puzzle and you move on, you solve another puzzle, move on. Yeah. But it's also your birthday today, just coincidentally. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> Thank you. Not my favorite day of the year. What did I get you? Did you get me anything? No, you got me uh, You got me some games. So these are the three unlock games. Now, the difference between unlock and exit the game, they're both escape room games. Exit the game won this big award. Spielzajaris means game of the year from Germany. Mm -hmm. These ones didn't win it, but also in unlock... You don't have to destroy the game because what were we doing with exit the game? Well, yeah, we we kept photocopying every component. I think we even photocopied the box in one of the games because the game just makes you destroy the game to play it. You have to cut things out. And then the poor next guy that's playing, he's got nothing there. So what we did is we photocopied everything so that the game wasn't destroyed. Well, these you don't have to destroy. But one of the reasons that you got nominated as best episode is one of the listeners said you sounded like a god amongst men and that you've lived a very full life and that you had many stories, which I was amazed by because you didn't share that many stories. No, <laughs> no you don't want to hear all the stories I have to tell. <laughs> I will ask you for just one quick story because I have a whole, a whole bevy of stories fr from which to choose. But I'm going to go to one, I remember one Vietnam story where there were some soldiers that were stealing food out of oh. the mess hall. Do you remember the story? Oh, I remember the story, yeah. We had, uh, it was a big deal for us to get subs. As in the sandwiches. As in the sandwiches from Saigon. And it would be a big deal. We'd have to pool our money and we'd have to send a driver. The driver would be going to saigon for some military delivery or whatever or pickup but he would sidetrack and go to a what would be like kind of a subway and bring us back these subs and they were absolute gold and we'd buy more than we were going to eat but we'd put them in the refrigerator in our barracks where but somebody was stealing our subs so we came up with a plan and we put a medicine called pyridium we'd laced all the sandwiches with these pyridium tablets which turns your urine bright red and figured whoever comes to sick call because we ran the sick call whoever came to sick call complaining of blood in his urine was going to be our culprit and sure enough the next day a guy shows up saying I'm pissing blood and 
he nailed this son of a bitch that was stealing our subs. Do you remember what happened to him, or you're not at liberty to say? Probably not a complete liberty to say. I know that he wasn't turned over to authorities. I think it was dealt, <laughs> it was dealt more on a local level. <laughs> okay. Okay, and you were able to do this because what was your job in Vietnam? In that particular circumstance, I was the chief medic of the 11th Armored Cavalry, 37th Medical Company, and attached to the 11th Armored Cavalry. But I was in charge of the medical care there, so... I was in charge of sick call. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story, and I'm looking forward to playing some Unlock, and maybe we can share our impressions of Unlock after we've gone through those in the following weeks or months, however long it takes us. But we're at 100 episodes, so thank you so much for joining us for our 100th episode, well, Dr. Robert Girding. I'm impressed. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Love you. All right, we're done? We're done. That was it. That wasn't too bad. No. Okay, you ready for number four? Uh, yeah. We'll go on to number four, which is episode 60. This is actually kind of one of an underrated episodes, but it was really awesome to hear it. It is actually what I've deemed Alan plays solo, where he does an episode all by himself, which is kind of tough to do. If you ever think about having a one-sided conversation, it's a little tough. He gets Sean taken away from him. He gets SBJ taken away, and it's just Alan with his thoughts, which is nice. The reason why this hits pretty hard for me is because it's Alan's board game origin story. It's about him with HeroQuest and the nostalgia behind that, but not only just the good memories about HeroQuest, but he can take a step aside and really give HeroQuest a once-over as a designer, as a player, as a kid, as a fan. I think that's kind of what we have with all the games that we love. Everyone has a favorite game, and it's nice to hear other people's takes on it where they can kind of step aside and be like, this game is good, but here are its flaws. Here's what it does really nice. It's great hearing Alan talk about his love for HeroQuest. Sean, I got to share my origin story because you left me. You left me totally alone, and for a zero episode, I was totally without Sean, without SBJ, but I still recorded an episode. It's also my fault for not planning on having a guest. It's always weird having a guest on a zero episode because the zero episodes are where we talk about the podcast itself, a meta episode. But I have a challenge for you, Sean. Are you ready for a challenge? Yes. So a little backstory. Sean has no idea. I have been kind of planning what this 100 episode is going to be. And I've pretty much told you nothing. Just like always. Just like always, Sean just comes to these totally blind, just like our special guests. And I've learned that the more I plan, usually the worse the episodes go. So I've kind of learned to take a step back and not plan. But here is one thing I was hoping to do in response to this. Sean, for the next five minutes, you're on your own to tell your origin story. Go. Okay. Um, so my origin story... The first person who ever really got me into gaming at all was my cousin Ryan. My cousin Ryan's about three years older than me. Uh, and my middle brother, younger brother, Trevor, uh, is three years younger than me. So, like, as a kid, it really stuck out. Like, oh, Ryan is my older brother. He was half white, half Filipino, just like I was. Really smart. Always been much, much smarter than me. And so him and his dad always sort of took it upon themselves to, like, feed me books. Like, they took sort of my literature schooling as part of their responsibility. So they were always giving me good books to read or, or things outside the mainstream. 
but they also got me involved in games. In fact, my cousin Ryan, you know, when I was, I don't know, seven or eight, got me my first pack of Magic cards, got me tons and tons of booster packs, and we would go either in the back of church and play, or uh, his dad had this van that never had any air conditioning, and we would leave church and go play in the van. Through him, we also had another family friend who was Brian Pope who you all may know is the creator of Mage Wars and the head of Arcane Wonders. Well, Brian had kids that were me and Ryan's age, and he was family friends with my parents and, and Ryan's parents. Three shakes and no mistakes. He was also designing some games. In fact, at the time, he was designing a role-playing game called Legendary Heroes. I remember he lived outside the city, and he was big into, like, computer gaming, lands, so we would... What was the uh, big Star Wars game at the time? It was, like, Dark forces i think something like that um it was like when tie fighter and x-wing were really big we'd go over there and play video games and i, I remember seeing uh, he had talisman set up like the old games workshop version of talisman and he had like all the expansions or whatever out and just looked so gorgeous my parents called and i had to come home before we played but it was like the platonic ideal to me of what a board game should be but one of these nights, he had us all over, and me and Ryan, Ben and Andrew, his kids, he ran Legendary Heroes for us. Legendary Heroes was kind of like a percentile-based role-playing game. The big thing that was really cool about it was, like, he would print out and bind his own booklets. He would give them to us to keep. They were all, like, on color printer stuff, which, like, nobody had at the time. And so we would spend days. It was like he made all his own splat books. So, like, if you wanted to be a monk, he had a book of, like, martial arts for you. Oh, shit. Did I mute this thing? And my cousin Ryan, who was probably, like, 10 at the time, totally broke the game. Totally broke how the uh, system worked to where you'd have, like, a 400% chance at getting, like, a headshot with a bow and arrow. And you'd be an avian. You'd be flying in the air so nobody could touch you. I didn't know he broke the game until years, years later when Brian was like, oh, yeah, Ryan pretty much broke that. I just remember staying up late one night playing Legendary Heroes. And it was just so cool to me that somebody could make their own game and that it would work. From there, my gaming history kind of stalls. I get a little bit older and I get into like theater and speech and debate and school starts taking over. I start, you know, meeting girls. I grew up in, I wouldn't say like a repressive Christian background by any means, but like D&D was always, after the sort of satanic panic of the 80s, it was always that sort of verboten thing. And I'd never played it, and I thought, like, maybe I was too old to play it now. Maybe it was something that if you didn't play when you were a kid, maybe the time had passed. So I was in high school. My friend Nick Grant was like, hey, uh, we should play d and I've been hearing about it. Or maybe it was my friend Andy, because he had gotten for Christmas, like, a Diablo 2 themed sort of D&D board game. And we played that, and we realized it was just one step removed from D&D. At the time, we'd been really into Warhammer 40k which was like super expensive. We never really were able to put together comprehensive armies, but we figured from this Diablo game, from Warhammer 40k, D&D was just like a hop, skip, and a throw away. So we started playing D&D, which I loved. We were playing third edition, staying up late. Uh, my cousin Ryan, again, DM'd for us. He met my friend group, and uh, he was that older, smarter guy. And it's been five minutes. Wow. I could talk for a long time. <laughs> yeah, you're good at this. Keep going. So Ryan would run these really hard dungeons for us, just terrible dungeons, enough to where people would complain that we never got enough treasure. <laughs> it was always too hard. Everybody always died. And he was just very staunchly like, hey, there are answers to these problems. You guys didn't find them. I'm not going to make it easier for you just because you didn't figure out the problem, which I wouldn't come to respect until years, years later. But to make a long story long, after that, I went to college and I got involved in sort of the indie RPG. And then when I moved back to Dallas, after going to school in Austin, I, uh, was looking for a job, and who should I meet again but Brian Pope? He's working on his new game, Mage Wars. And I play it, and it's just a blast. And I'm playing this prototype version that's not, like, ugly by any means, but, you know, for the grid, they're using 
tiles like from Home Depot. And I'm thinking like, I'm a graphic designer. I know Photoshop. I can maybe make some of these boards. And so I mocked up some prototype boards for him. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Do you want to help out? Do you want to, I'll pay you if you want to work. And so I started working for Brian and uh, through May George, that's how I met Alan. And that's kind of how I got back into the board game industry. So it started with games like Pente and Chess and and Go and, and Magic with my cousin Ryan. Then it moved up to D&D and then into sort of the indie RPG world. And then back the way I really got into the industry was through Mage Wars. So I've got a lot of people along that sort of journey to be thankful for. I've been into different things at different times, you know, really competitive games or card games or role-playing games or board games, tabletop games. It was always, you know, sort of about the people, my cousin, this person I looked up to, right? And a lot of it was about intellectual stimulation. It was it was a thing I thought smart people did. Now I know otherwise. But at the time, <laughs> it was something that I really thought like, oh, he's in a board games. He must be a genius. As we were working on Mage Wars, I had to correspond with a lot of the playtesters. Now, Brian always took the playtester feedback himself, but I had to coordinate shipping the materials or if they were out of cards or if they needed more of a certain card, I'd have to get them printed, get them cut and get them shipped. Not only that, but Brian had elected to sort of give a speech to a bunch of retailers at Gamma which is a trade show for retailers and distributors in Las Vegas, put on by the Gamma Trade Organization, which is the Board Game Manufacturers Alliance or whatever. And so I had to put together this PowerPoint presentation for Brian's speech. And I was looking through pictures, and what I needed was like a picture of an attractive person looking happy <laughs> playing Mage Wars. And the only one I could find was a Valen. It's just like huge smiling guy, like thumbs up, holding cards or spellbook or a box or whatever. And just like, he's got a, like a Mage Wars t-shirt on, and he's just like, hey. <laughs> So I put that in the PowerPoint presentation and and I vaguely recall, because I'm up on stage with Brian and he's given the speech and I vaguely recall like the slide coming up and hearing like a, hi, from like the back of this sort of ballroom. Hi, that's me. <laughs> After the speech, we get down, we're sitting at the table and we're talking and Alan comes up and he's like, hey, oh my gosh, use a picture of me. That's so crazy. And then I met Alan and he was like, well, hey, you know, if you've never been to Vegas before, me and my friend Michael Murth are going to go out tonight and uh, see the city. We're going to go to this retired magician's bar because Michael Murth is a magician. So he knew this place off the strip. It was a light trip. It was like me, Brian, and one or two other people. And Brian goes to Vegas for work like three or four times a year. So he was like, you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to bed. Normally, I would have just like gone to bed or been on my laptop. But it was like, I'm in Vegas. I've never been here before. I called Alan. He was like, well, we're leaving right now. Go to this exit. Yo, we'll pick you up. And we went to this old rundown magician's bar and hung out. And he was telling these jokes with Michael Mirth. And I was like, man, this guy's hilarious. And I want to have like a friend like that. They're just like riffing off each other. And, and from there, um, you invited me to CrystalCon, which was the uh, engagement party. Yeah, the board game, sort of like a mini convention. You got, I remember you got like a bunch of games donated. You invited a bunch of publishers. You invited so many people to throw this engagement party for you're then fiance, now wife, Crystal. And I sort of begged Brian to go because you invited both of us. And he was kind of like, eh, you can go. And I was like, well, I can, go to, I can hit up Protospiel. I'm out there. And we hung out. And that's where we came up with Two Rooms and a Boom. And that's all she wrote. We started the game company, Tuesday Night Games, and that's how we're together. <laughs> we're going to go to number three. You ready? Absolutely. Hey, how was being on your own? How'd it feel? Oh, it was fine. It was good. Oh, you son of a bitch. Number three, this is a very good episode. It is episode number 34, and this was where they had Anthony Birch on, who is an amazing person. And it's basically the World Championship Russian Roulette origin story. Alan, Sean, and Anthony have a really good rapport together. You can kind of tell that they're friends and they can talk together. Sean has an amazingly hilarious story that I won't spoil about the first time he met Anthony Birch. 
there's an unfulfilled promise in this origin story, which I'm a huge, huge fan of Bored with Life and all of their amazing stuff they do. It would be awesome to get Donald on an episode like was promised here, because I think it would have a really good discussion between Donald and Sean about RPGs. That's something that I would love to hear you guys talk about. Every guest that you guys have on your show is amazing. It highlights all your guys' personalities and what's great about board games. You get interesting discussions coming out. The one notable one from this one is talking about how to make a scary board game, which is a really interesting idea and really great and can't wait for something like that to come out. But it's nice hearing designers talk about this and it's just a great episode. We did have Donald on, actually. We had Donald on for a small segment during the BGG episode from November. But, Sean... You're closer to Donald than I am. He's in your regular play group, isn't he? We were going to play board games last night, but uh, he's got a, I don't want to say a newborn, but he's got like a one-year-old, two-year-old, one-year-old. Selfish. He's got a kid. Selfish. She was having a hard time getting to bed, uh, so we didn't play. But yeah, we we try to play games regularly. I talk to him regularly. Our biggest new thing now is um, complaining about things game designers tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think you can get Donald on the show? I'm sure he'd love to come on the show sometime, yeah. Because he runs a role-playing podcast still, Bored With Life Plays. He GMs. But speaking of role-playing games, Sean, I asked you previously, thoughts for the show in the future? And I think what people are expecting from you is way more input in role-playing games ever since Gen Con. Because what happened at Gen Con that should make everyone think we're going to be talking more about role-playing games on this podcast? Well, I got voted to be one of the judges for the Any Awards in 2018, which is a huge honor. In fact, I just got a 40-pound box of stuff for them that I got to start going through. For the uninitiated, the Any Awards are like the Oscars, the Academy Awards for role-playing games. And Sean was nominated and elected as a judge. So that 40-pound box, I'm sure, is nothing but role-playing games. I'd love to talk more about RPGs. I can't really talk about any of the any stuff I had to sign, like an NDA, and that's all going to be super secret. But I love role-playing games. I love the community. I love the people I've met. And it's just fun. It combines my love of gaming, my love of writing, fantasy reading, all that sort of stuff. You don't even have to be able to write it down. You just have to be able to describe it to people at the table. It's one of the easiest games that you can have an idea and execute all the way. You can have a role-playing game idea and come up with it and get it published by yourself, literally. Which I think is really cool and really uh, enabling. But what a heartbreak. You're not allowed to describe what's in the box, eh? Yeah, I can't really talk about the process. I'll have to read the NDA again, but they just, they don't want you like giving people a backdoor into like what's going on, what the process is like, what judges like or don't like. I mean, it makes sense. It should be a pretty closed door sort of thing. Damn it. Well, that idea is dead. <sighs> Shh. Speaking of dead ideas, let's go to number two. We're almost at number one. Huh. Huh. Ready for number two? Yes. It has nothing to do with you. In fact, for this one, We're going to bring in another special guest, affectionately known as Stupid Buttface McGee. I've got a special guest. It's the coolest, most talented game designer ever, said no one ever. Lindsay Rode! Damn it, Alan. I thought you were going to, I thought for a second, just for a second, you were going to be so nice. But no, it was just another zinger in the wings. I'm so sorry. Well, let me tell our listeners something. I will crush on you a little bit to try to make up for it. 
When listeners listen to you on this podcast, they imagine you're fun and free-spirited, smart, and talented. But I've got to say, it's a shame to meet someone you thought you'd like. Oh, you did it! <laughs> it's not funny! It's a little bit funny, but it's not as funny as you think it is! <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't know why I keep agreeing to come on this podcast. Ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's all right. Why don't you shoot one at me? Hit me. No, I can't do it on command. I don't, I don't, you're, you're bald. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I, I do have some, I didn't make fun of the way you looked, Lindsay. I don't have anything better. I can't fix my baldness like you can fix your personality. <laughs> It's not fair. Great podcast start. <laughs> this is a good start. In fact, here's the thing. This is episode 100, Lindsay. It's a big deal. I know. That's why I dropped everything to be on it. You and all your important dumb crap. I had, I had appointments and things. <laughs> okay. I have no doubt. We will get to everything that's going on in your life probably uncomfortably too much. But here's the thing. I ask people for feedback on the show, things we could share for the 100th episode, and we had some people write in and say what some of their favorite episodes were. And unfortunately, apparently our naives have really bad taste because do you know what episodes they said that they liked? Ooh, was it the ones that we recorded in my closet? Just take a listen and react to this. A knight sent in audio as to what his top five favorite episodes were. Oh, good gave job. Us five Really cool, right? Yeah, that's really cool. Us number f- <laughs> how many, else, us number how many times can I interrupt this? <laughs> <laughs> he gave us episode favorite number five, favorite number four, three, and here's number two. Number two. Sorry, Sean, but this one leaves you out. It's episode 96 slash number 71. This is my first introduction to Lindsay Road. Lindsay Road and Alan are obviously great friends. They have a really, really good relationship. It's hilarious listening to them just rip on each other and how they go back and forth. Moreover, it's hilarious listening to the stories about Assassin. And it just makes me want to team up with Lindsay just to destroy Alan, just so that she can have that small victory. It's also nice hearing the perspective of women in gaming. I know that it's always a controversial subject talking about how women are portrayed and objectified in board games. So it's nice hearing both sides of stories from her because she is a huge person in this industry that's going to blow up. Really good designer, hardworking, you know, all those things are what make her very interesting to listen to. Really, the only shortcoming Lindsay has is, you know, I have to look down on her because she's only a knave because she hasn't sent in her knight to knave story. Yeah, I'm calling you out, Lindsay. You better do it. You know, Alan will get on you about that. Oh, that's so amazing. That might be one of the, the nicest things I've heard, honestly, since I've started in the industry. We need to cancel this podcast so I can go tell all my friends what just happened. Well, don't you want to finish recording so I can upload it so your friends can actually start believing what you say because of all the lies (laughs) that you share? It won't help. Having the recording is not going to make them believe me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
you obviously enjoyed it, but there is a lot of talk there of you having a lot of potential and you're going to be a big, big person in the industry. That's so exciting. I mean, that's I'm, I'm honestly deeply touched. So thank you for sharing that with me. In fact, you are a talented designer. I'm excited about Countdown because I know we've had discussions about Countdown, had intense play sessions with Countdown. Do you have a release date yet for Countdown? Right now we're aiming for the November and December on Kickstarter, but we'll have more information out. We'll have like a date zoned in a little bit farther. But uh, yeah, playtesting is going great. The art's starting to come in, which is the most exciting part for me. We have the most amazing artist, and I don't think a lot of people know about him yet, so I think he's going to blow up the board game scene pretty significantly when it comes out. Male or female artist? Male. Young up-and-coming kid that you do not want to give exposure to no no you're kind of His keeping name... him a secret because you are definitely not name dropping no, you are no. withholding the that's name that's because i want it to be like a huge like awesome release but yeah his name is andrew and uh andrew so specific so if you see andrew let him know you're a good artist does he have a last name he does have a last name do you know it you don't i'm know trying it. no because he goes by something different than his last name <laughs> I'm trying to, I, I'll look it up real quick, because <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong. And you're, you can cut out this anyway, because it's the magical world. No, of course not. Of, no, I'm, you're going to cut this out? I'm goes, not cutting this out. He goes by Andrew Schmandrew Art or something like that. So that's like all I think of him when I talk about him is Andrew Schmandrew. That's my guy. But his name is not, in fact, Schmandrew. I'm going to see what happens if I Google Andrew Schmandrew. I'm even going to put an art. Andrew Schmandrew Art. He, he goes by Schmandrew. <laughs> Andrew Thompson? Yeah, it's Andrew Thompson. He goes by schmandrewart.com. So whenever I work with wow, him, I was able I to find about... that faster than you. What's going on in your world? <laughs> Listen, first of all, we all know what my ability with technology is, all right? So I got the phone to work, and that was an accomplishment. Second of all, I didn't lie. Every time I think of him, I'm like, yeah, Andrew Schmandrew. That's all I ever think. So like, I forget what his last name is sometimes. So I'm sorry, Andrew. It's Andrew Thompson. He's amazing. Schmandrew Art is his website. I already said that. You can look it up like some people just did and uh, find his stuff. He's I really cool. I just Googled cool. Andrew Schmandrew Art and it came right up. I'm sorry. Go so, on. Just want people to believe me. <laughs> like, honestly, what, like every time we go email back and forth, that's what pops up. So that's all I ever think of him as. Lindsay. Here's the thing. Did we ever actually do a zero episode for you? Do you have an origin story? Because you came in, the first time you were on the podcast was during a, a live Gen Con recording, if I remember correctly, yeah? Oh, yeah. It's the one we, um, I crashed. Then you came on for the Dragon Con episode, and then I've had you on a couple times since then. But I'm not sure, have we ever gotten your origin story of how you started into the gaming industry? Oh, is it it's today the day? Is it really the day or is it one of those days where you think it's the day and then your friend tricks you because it's not really the day because you're that friend. That's what you do. You lure people Lindsay, into a false sense of security. <laughs> how did you start your love for board gaming? Take us all the way back to the beginning. Okay, so my parents met each other in a bar and one thing led to another and they gave birth to a board game. Oh. Well, that's all the time we have. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Podcast. This episode. No, I'm kidding. But seriously, don't go all the way back to your parents humping. We don't need to hear about that. Seriously, go for it. I started playing board games. I started playing Magic the Gathering, really. 
at around 10 years old. It's actually a cool story because I was struggling reading. I really struggled with that in school and I kind of used magic to help me learn how to read. My parents were really supportive about it because it was helping and that led me down a dark rabbit hole of uh, games. I kind of got out of it in my 20s, came back around 27, 28, if I can tell people how old I am. <laughs> Just realized that just 27, happened. 27, 28? Yeah. You're older than 27, 28? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I time travel a lot, so it's all messed up, but... Continue, please. So, yeah, I got back into it. I started with actually uh, Killer Bunnies. It was my first real board game other than Magic. And I was like, wow, this is pretty good. And you can totally read now. You're literate. I have become more literate. Luckily, it's not really relevant to what I do. But yeah, so I got into Killer Bunnies. I started exploring the board game world. I was working in a taco truck. I got really into board games, so I started playing them, started buying them, moved on to podcasts, and that's when I started listening to the Tuesday Night Podcast. Boom. Your sweet voice used to come out of a taco truck speakerphone that was projected on a roof. Lindsay, you're not supposed to compliment me. It makes me look like an asshole because I do nothing but insult you, so that's like the worst type of revenge. Don't play that game. I know. Damn it, you're amazing. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go to one of these cons, it was Gen Con, I got all my friends pumped, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna go to this con, I'm like, yeah, let's do it, we're really, really gonna do it. So, I signed up, I got the hotel room, and all my friends bailed at the last second. Every single friend I had bailed in the last second, they're like, oh, I don't know, like, that's too far, it's too far to drive, because it's like 12 hours. So it was kind of an commitment, and you know what, I was like, I'm gonna go anyway. It's just so cool, I'm not gonna back out, even though no one else is going, so I went. And I was a huge fan of Dead of Winter and Plaid Hat. And I remember I walked up to the Plaid Hat booth. I begged them to volunteer. I was like, I'll, I'll teach Dead of Winter. I'll teach, I'll teach whatever you've got. And Isaac, who was the designer, he was so nice. And he was like, sure, like just calm down and you can just work for free over in this corner, creepy girl. It was amazing. I started uh, demoing for them full time. They were so nice. They took me out for dinner afterwards to say thanks because I did like a double or something. That was about a year out. I was playtesting, doing all this crazy stuff, really, really digging the Plat Hat team. They mentored me an incredible amount. When I started designing, they looked at all my games. They would have other designers come and look at my games. They introduced me to you, which was probably not one of the best decisions, but that started a whole <laughs> other thing. Yeah, eventually I took the jump and I applied for a board game job in Georgia, which was, you know, a big step for me. I was in Philadelphia at the time and yeah, I just quit my well-paying full-time job for my dream job and, and just took that leap and started designing full-time. It's really cool. If anyone's listening to this podcast in a 112 degrees food truck and they're dreaming of having a cooler job that they really enjoy, it's possible. It takes time and you're not gonna have a lot of free time and you're not gonna have a lot of money, but it's totally possible to do your dream job. But don't stop at Atlanta because while you're in Atlanta working for Weird, the story continues. It does. So yeah, uh, eventually I had lots of friends in the industry at this point and that's really it, networking. Networking is just so critical. And I was friends with Dogmite Crew and eventually they gave me a phone call and they were like, what will it take? to get you up here because we want you on our team to start a new board game sector. Chance to work with like two of my best friends, it's not gonna take much. So I packed all my bags and moved up to Michigan and now I'm the creative director for Dog My Games and I get to work with my best friends every single day. Name drop, what are the names of those best friends? Ooh, well we got Mike Cameron, one of the owners. We got Michael Conus, the other owner. I have many best friends. Those are two, I want, I don't, I got other people that are listening, they're probably like, oh, I thought she said I was a best friend. You are my best friend person. 
you also are working on Countdown, but that's not gonna be the first game that you release with the name Lindsay Road behind it, correct? There's another game. No, I actually have a, a good lineup going right now. Let's hear the lineup. Yeah, Let's do this. I got, oh man, it's been an exciting year. So I've got Bayou Bash, which is, if you've ever thought like, what would Mario Kart be if it was a board game? That's Bayou Bash. It's coming out by Weird. They're doing such a great job with the game. I'm so excited to see it. And Alyssa's uh, is doing the art for that. And she's amazing. What's Alyssa's last name? Oh, Minold. It was Alyssa Minold. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, Alyssa Minold's doing the art for it. It's incredible. I love her. She's an amazing person. Keep an eye out for her in the future. And then I've got War of the Spirits, which is an expansion to Darkness Comes Rattling, Ooh. which was really an honor because that's a Kevin Wilson game and I got to work on it and expand on the world that he built, which was just so cool. And then I got Countdown coming out. Woohoo! Hopefully it'll be hitting Kickstarter in the next couple months here. And that is going to be a party game. It's about the 80s. You've played it, Alan. So it's, yes. it's a hostage situation. There's an action hero. There's all these different types of hostages. There's villains mixed in there. And the action hero is trying to decide very quickly who to trust and who not to trust so that he can essentially release all the hostages that are innocent and keep all the villains inside the building to blow up at the end of the game. And the bomb is shuffled into the deck that he flips whoa, whoa, over. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's cool. I'm so sorry. I totally screwed this up, and I apologize for interrupting, but you are an action hero. Yeah. Explaining the game countdown in an elevator. Oh, no. Okay, guys, so see, we got five seconds here, and, and what we do is we bust through walls. When we bust through those walls, we see a bunch of hostages. They're in a circle, but they're all lying together. None of these people are good people, but you gotta get them out because an action hero, you can't have a bunch of dead people on your hands. That doesn't look good, and you always have to look good. That's why I bring my comb with me every time. So you gotta release, like, the aerobic instructor. The aerobic instructor, she doesn't do anything wrong. I mean, maybe she hates the chef. Maybe there's a little war going on there, but that's cool. I'll let her out. I don't like the chef, though. He's gonna stay in. And that guy over there is definitely a villain. He's been lying to me the whole time. And I'm just gonna let him sit there. And he's gonna explode at the end. And I'm gonna leave in a helicopter and rain bullets down. But then there's action scenes. And action scenes flip the game upside down. So an action scene might be, oh no, the villains come through the wall. But it's all right, because I've got these beauties. I'll punch them in the face. I think the villains hijacked that elevator. <laughs> it's so cool. Let me explain from my point of view, one of my favorite things about the game is the opportunity for role playing because people are actually sitting in a circle with their hands behind their back, pretending that their hands are tied and their mouths are taped like hostages. Super cool. Yeah, and Alan's always a bodybuilder. That's what I found through testing. No matter what role Alan actually is supposed to play, regardless of what that is, he just plays a bodybuilder. Not right. quite sure I what just... that means. But subconsciously, that's got to mean something. Why not? Huh? Bodybuilder. He likes the voice. That's why it is. He's like the Arnold yeah, Schwarzenegger I, voice. Yeah, I just do the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice and then people know, oh, he's the bodybuilder. I automatically am as innocent as can be. Yeah, he's been like the villain every time. That is not true. I've never been the villain <laughs> once, Lindsay. Really? You're such... You're so fake that if you committed a crime, CSI would totally arrest a Cabbage Patch doll. I distinctly remember accusing you of being a villain every single time. I think 100% of the time. I've never been the villain. In fact, I'm pretty sure you died in that building almost 100% of that time. No, lies. I've never been the villain. You are crazy, Lindsay Road. But hey, speaking of you being crazy, any favorite episode that you've listened to, the Tuesday Night Podcast, since you listened to it when you were back in your taco truck? 
Uh, so my favorite episode would definitely be when you guys were telling Halloween stories. Ah. That was really funny. The Halloween episode. Nice. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite. I did a lot of editing on that episode, and my story, I just cut because it wasn't near as good as Sean's. His was so good. I just cut mine out because can't compete with going into a sewer and doing all that jazz. It's pretty good. But yeah, check out the Halloween episode if you get a chance. Next question, Lindsay. Do you have a favorite segment of the show? Is it the interviews? Is it the listener feedback and interaction satisfaction? Is it the opening stings? What is it? Uh, probably is it the Captain Chestbeard? It's Captain Chestbeard. It's not Captain Chestbeard. It's Captain Chestbeard. You want me to go get him? I don't need you to go get Captain Chestbeard right now. It's been it's been a few months since Captain Chestbeard was around. It's been quiet on the Western Front. It's been nice. Actually, you just outed yourself because last episode, episode 99, was a Captain Chestbeard episode. I Lindsay. haven't listened to episode 99 yet. Yeah, obviously. I've got it saved. I was at Grand Con last weekend, so it's having fun doing that jazz. Oh, how's Grand Con? Oh, it was amazing. Oh, good. It was so cool. Yeah, it was in a, a new facility, so much bigger and more exciting. I made a bunch of new friends. As always. As always. Lindsay's really good at making new friends. Uh, just do yourself a favor. Before you meet Lindsay, make sure you down a couple Pepto-Bismol, and then you're good to go with meeting Lindsay. Yep. And if you meet Alan, he'll hand you deodorant. So if you're ever in a need for deodorant, just go to Alan, and that's what he does when he meets new people. Fun facts all the way around. He'll be like, hey, what's up? Here's some deodorant. I was just teasing <laughs> about the Pepto-Bismol, but the truth is I do keep deodorant handy at the booth because we got to fight the gamer rep that people have garnered. We got to go ahead and make people smell good so people aren't complaining about gamer funk. That's true. So what segment's your favorite? It is Captain Chestbeard or it isn't? It would not be Captain Chestbeard. It would definitely what? be the openers and then the, uh, the interactions between you guys and the fans and, and all the different people. I like the stories. Your bad jokes are pretty good. I don't have any bad jokes. What are you talking about? I don't even... I'm a serious man. Yeah. But this is the podcast about the stories we make. Seriously, bad joke. <laughs> while playing the games we love. Lindsay, it's been a pleasure having you on our 100th episode. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do it? Twitter, Lindsay underscore RD, or they can go to Facebook at Lindsay Road. You'll see my wonderful face smiling back at you. So friend that, obviously. Because how can you not? It's like puppies. Or you can... Actually, we're looking for playtesters right now. So Ooh. if you email me at lindsay at dogmite.com and you're interested in seeing some new projects coming out, I've got a bunch of designs coming down the pipeline and we need playtesters. Reach out to me and uh, let's make something happen. And Lindsay, what's your next convention? It'll be PAX Unplugged, which you are not cool enough to go to, I hear. Or too cool. You know, it depends on your perspective. Are you going to BGG? You want to come to Philly? It's going to be amazing. Are you staying at your parents' place while you're there? Nah, I got a really sweet hotel room. Nice. Are your parents insulted that you're not staying with them? No. no. They're probably really relieved. Yeah, I'm sure they are. Yeah, I'm sure they are. All right. Well, with that being said, Lindsay, this segment is... <gasps> is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it? Finished? Yeah, it's finished, Lindsay. Oh, God damn it. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the one thing that Lindsay's never pointed out before is that I've never submitted a Knave Tonight submission, and neither of you, technically. We're just... Oh, I'm not a knight. I'm a lord. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Lord Sean. Anything you want to say to Lindsay? The show is much, much better anytime 
you're not on it. All right. <laughs> well, let's round it out. You ready for the number one episode? Sean, if you had a guess, what do you think Sir Byron Morgan's number one episode was? I don't know. Something was shut up at sit down when they were on it. <laughs> We'll go on to number one here. If I was going to show anyone an episode from this podcast and have them listen to it, it would be episode 42. Now, I believe this was one of my first episodes I ever heard. One super thing that I love about it is that it's an hour and a half. I have a long drive to work, and this really is about the whole thing there and back. It is very, sometimes can feel like 30 minutes isn't enough with these guys, but this episode features Quentin Smith. It's kind of different from why I love this podcast. They talk about the new hotness. They talk about everything that they usually don't. And I think that's why this makes this episode very juicy. And it ran over for so long because it was just an amazing episode. A couple things I wrote down here that were great about it is obviously Quentin Smith, who is a genius among all board gaming media, works really hard. Him and Paul and Matt Lees, they're amazing people doing amazing things. This episode really highlights Sean's other interests and how big his heart is. There's the Dallas tragedy that was going on there, and he was talking about how he put out t-shirts to help benefit the people affected by that. But not only does it show Sean's amazing heart and what he can do for people, but it also, he learns from things that happen in the real world. You know, he can turn everyday things into board game design and business. It brings up a very good discussion with Alan about tri-blend t-shirts, which is just insane to me because it's hilarious of this obsession that he has, not only board games, but apparently clothing. And it also needs to be revisited about t-shirts because that sounds amazing to me. It highlights a lot of discussion with Sean and graphic design, which I believe is something that hasn't been super talked about in depth. It was really nice to hear some things from his point of view. We hear a lot about artists. We hear a lot about board game designers, but I feel like the unsung heroes of board gaming are the graphic designers. All of this stuff kind of encompasses that you get to look behind the curtain of a board game company with a podcast. It's very intimate. It seems like they're talking just straight to you. And it's nice seeing a look behind at Tuesday Night Games, but also shut up and sit down. It's kind of funny, too, with looking back on some of these older episodes. In this episode, Alan talks about how he will never give away a game. He won't do anything to get rid of a game, even if it sucks, because it's art to him. This was over a year ago when you guys released this episode, and I think that his ideals have changed because he's giving out games and doing a lot more with enjoying the games that he has and replaying games, which is very great. I'm a big fan of that. They also have a really great conversation about board game design and making boxes smaller. They talk about Samurai Spirit, which is great. And they kind of transition that about how Tuesday Night Games puts out their boxes, and it's really great. The episode definitely highlights the elevator pitch. There's a little RPG talking into it. And they talk about how to play games as a kid versus how you play them as an adult. Overall, it's just a really great episode. Very full of substance, and it's very long. I highly recommend doing more long episodes i just have to say thanks again guys this was a great list to make it really brought back some good memories and these are the five episodes to listen to if you're new to the show or you just want to relive some really funny memories but i'm byron and i'll catch you guys later thank you so much byron for that list of top five episodes but yeah, it's definitely the most listened to episode is the one with Quentin Smith, Sean. Reactions? Well, I called it, so... 
<laughs> it was really sweet because I think you know this about me. It can be hard to remember all this content. You sit down, you have the conversation, you edit it, so you hear over and over and over again. I usually don't listen to the episodes once they air, but you'll point out episodes that I'm not on that you really like, and I'll listen to those. And my real point is, it was just really sweet to hear how much it affected Byron, or how much he like really heard or listened or, or got to know us. You forget that over 100 episodes, people see you change, but you take it for granted because you're living through it. You wanting to keep all your games because they're pieces of art, and then a year later, you're getting rid of games to give them fun homes and, and distill your collection down to games that you truly adore. You know, we've both changed a lot over the course of our- 100 episodes. Yeah, 100 episodes. That's almost two years, right? Yeah. Basically. Episode a week, 56 episodes in a year about give and take because we miss them every once in a while but yeah but then you'll do like some extra ones yeah exactly i was surprised none of the live ones were on there because those are always my favorite to do but i'm also like riding high on being at the show and seeing these people i don't get to see very often great perspective byron's such a sweetheart great fan and hopefully we'll get to do more with him he does the show notes for every episode, goes to BoardGameGeek.com and lists every game we talk about, every designer, and puts links on there. So anytime we name drop, game drop, whatever, you can just go on to BoardGameGeek, find the episode, and it's there. And that's what Byron does for us. For nothing, man. It's an amazing thing. And I wanted to get Quinns on the show to talk, much like we had Lindsay Road on the show, for our 100th episode. But... He didn't even respond to my damn email. Son of a biscuit eater. Too big for us these days. Yeah, well, they have shucks going on, but that doesn't mean i above giving them a hard time for not coming on the show to represent. Oh, shucks. But you know what's even funnier? Apparently, Quentin Smith is a huge fan of Captain Chessbeard. So while he didn't respond to my email... He did respond to Captain Chessbeard's email, and he decided to send us a little audio segment that he did with Captain Chessbeard to celebrate our Knaves and Knights and our 100th episode. So take a listen to this. Oh, hi there. So, you're here because a friend or significant other or colleague, a member of your family, church, or dogging community has told you they're into podcasts. What if I were to tell you a secret? That these days, podcasts are actually amazing. And you're going to find that hard to believe because you've got three preconceptions, starting with this one. Aren't there like six podcasts? No, actually, new podcasts come out every single week from countries as far-flung as Germany, Japan, and yeah, America and the UK. And some of these podcasts are for families. Some are rubbish, but lots aren't. In fact, lots are absolutely fantastic. Let's look at preconception number two, which is the podcasts are boring. And actually, they're just not. Take, for instance, the Tuesday Night Podcast. Uh, now see, this this podcast might sound mad to you. It might sound like a cross between uh, Bridge and OK Magazine, but it probably doesn't sound boring. And that's the truth of it, all right? That brings us on to point number three. Podcasts are for kids, and they're just not. I felt like crying, and I'm 26. Probably not for kids, unless your kids are tougher than me, which wouldn't be hard, to be honest. Podcasts. It starts to look like a much more reasonable thing to do with your time, whether you're invested in fun without drinking or whether you want to have much more fun while drinking. There is a podcast out there for everybody. 
and that includes you. Here are a couple of pretty much perfect podcasts that you could probably have an incredible time with no matter who you are. The Tuesday Night Podcast Cure. Or did I get you wrong? Maybe your idea of a good time isn't lying to your friends' faces. Maybe you're not the confrontational type. In which case, say hello to the Tuesday Night Podcast Cure. The Tuesday Night Podcast is a storytelling podcast where you and your friends will just be telling stories together. Do you remember those choose-your-own-adventure books you had as a kid? This is like the mother of all of those, using an incredibly clever system of hosts and this ludicrous roster of special guests. You will have stories which are different every single time, from rescuing princess to being lost and befuddled by genies in the European seas, to fighting to getting your way out of problems with luck and guile. You have no idea what's going to happen when you start the Tuesday Night Podcast. But you and your friends will have an unbelievable time just telling stories together. There's a kicker in an age where books, movies, video games, where ownership is becoming digital. Podcasts. Give us something real. This is the scene your friend is part of. It's big, it's beautiful, and it's growing. Now, because the Tuesday nights and names. Generally a pretty awesome lot. If you're at all interested in this stuff, you should definitely talk to your friend about getting involved in it. The Tuesday Night Podcast. Alternatively, you could visit our site, Shut Up and Sit Down, which is susd.pretend-money.com for news, videos, reviews, and plenty of footage of grown men dressed as wizards. For some reason, what's wrong with us? I- Thanks for listening for a hundred episodes to the Tuesday Night Podcast. Yeah. Bye! Quentin Smith, how do I want to segue this? Let me think how we should put a nice bow on this. Boom, you just did. Moving on. Here's the thing. All in all, I will say this again and again, and it will sound like I'm pandering, but I think you can back me up, Sean, even though you're my greatest shill. I am so much more a fan of our knaves and knights than they are of the show. I think it's surprising when a knave or a knight meets us in person because... Some of them hilariously are a little nervous and even admit it, hey, I'm a little nervous because I listen to your show and I love the show, but I think I totally blow it because I just geek over them. Oh my goodness, you listen to the show? Who are you? What do you, what do you, ah, tell me all about it. Huge fans of, of you guys. So thank you so much for listening. And here's one idea I have for the future because Byron took the time to write in these top five And Byron also took the time to send us a little thanks. So here's Byron's thanks and congratulations on our 100 episodes. It's Byron, your first official Tuesday night. And it's been zero change. Oh, well. (laughs) Congratulations on the 100th episode. I've been doing show notes for about 30 episodes now, listening since like episode 42, I believe. You have to thank Quentin Smith for me ever being involved in the podcast because I was really in and obsessed with the hotness for board games, and I was listening to a ton of podcasts that did not include Tuesday Night Games, saw that they had a crossover episode with Quentin, and I started listening to you guys and instantly just fell in love with the way you guys do your podcast. 
I love not being into the new hotness with you guys. It kind of helped me get away from spending money on games because I would just listen to what you guys are playing and slowly realize that most people don't keep up with the hotness. All they do is play the games that they're always meant to play, like playing Ticket to Ride with my parents, which was part of my Tuesday night origin story. People play the same games all the time. They don't play every game in their collection. I definitely haven't played every game in my collection, but your guys' podcast is just real. Not everyone's Tom Vassell playing 30 games a week. Not everyone's going out and buying new games every week. You're just playing the same old stuff. Your podcast really just appeals to me based solely off of that everything that you guys do and all the games that you're into, the same stuff that I'm into. And, you know, your hearts are really in the right place. Every time we hear some crazy story about what you guys are doing at cons or what you plan on doing in the future, it's always about the listeners and rewarding the listeners and the people that follow your games and obsess about your games. You always have good guests and good friends on your podcasts. Basically, it's perfect. For the 100th episode, I guess I'll share my origin story about how I got into board gaming. I've always grew up getting a ton of board games for birthdays. I remember one birthday I got the Hanson CD along with a copy of Pokemon Master Trainer for my sister. Played that so much. Played a ton of Risk, did a bunch of stuff, went to college, played Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. I remember falling in love with Munchkin at the time because it was unlike anything else I've ever seen in my life. But the true origin story about how my board game collection started was countless days in Target seeing Catan for $48 and not being able to bring myself to buy it. It's hard to spend $50 on something you have no idea what it's about. Really didn't make a connection in my head to go on YouTube and see what Catan was all about, but there was something there that just kept drawing me to it. And one faithful night, I went to the Target by my house swooned over the game looking at it seeing how boring the box art was but something was pulling me towards it but I couldn't bring myself to spend the $48 so I was a thrift store junkie at the time drove five minutes down the road to the savers walked in the first thing I see Catan third edition new in the seal $3.99 that sat on my desk unopened didn't pay any attention to it for about two months but then I cracked it open couldn't figure out the rules because that rule book on the third edition one is terrible. It led me to YouTube, which I watched some Will Wheaton on tabletop play that, and it was all downhill from there. Just started collecting games, playing games, falling back on it, Catan and Ticket to Ride, Carcassonne, those are all the games that I play all the time. Not any of the new hotnesses. That's how I got into board gaming, and that's how I kind of see you guys as it, is that you're real players, you're making board games, but also playing the same board games. And doing your show notes, that's completely apparent, because half of the stuff on there sticks on there week after week. Like Insider, Murder, Deception, and Hong Kong, those games are the ones that you guys truly love, because it's what you always talk about. I guess that's the end of this. I just really wanted to say thank you for all the free hours of entertainment that you've given everyone. For all the people out there listening, the least you can do for these two guys that produce all of this time and effort and produce a good podcast for everyone to listen to is just sit down with a microphone, send in a Nave Tonight story. We want to hear from the people that love the podcast. Help Sean and Alan out by sharing your experiences with them like they do every week for you. Sean, Alan, good luck. Can't wait for the next 100 episodes, and I'll see you later. That's really sweet. 
That was really sweet, Byron. He mentioned a couple things that were really interesting to me. One is that we play a lot of games over and over again, and that he likes that we play old games and that people aren't into the hotness. And I love that board game stats app I was telling you about, and I've been using it all the time. I play more games now because I have it or I remember that I play. So this weekend I played Connect 4 and Uno a ton with my niece and nephew. Man, Connect 4 and Uno are great games. I don't know why I never play these because we've always got like bigger, better games to play. We played those games over and over and over again, which was awesome. And then my mom had her birthday last week and her request for me is that, you'll think this is funny, that I run Werewolf for her all night. So I ran like five (laughs) games of Werewolf, which she loved and I loved. And um, more and more I'm thinking it's not about like the games that are in your collection. It's about how often you play the games. It's a lot better to play Trivial Pursuit or Taboo with people who love doing that than it is to like slog through playing Terraforming Mars because it's the new game and you have to do it to like earn your board gaming credentials. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense, Sean. You develop a relationship with the people around the table, but also with the game on the table too. For instance, Werewolf is unforgettable because of all the amazing times we've had. Woo! Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Another question, Sean. Should we do a Patreon? I'd love to. I've been pressuring you about that forever. How would we do it? What should we do? What do you mean? Like, what should we give away? Yeah, they need pledge levels. It's kind of like a Kickstarter. I think a good, like, sort of stretch goal or whatever would be doing a second podcast, doing like a Let's Play podcast or a role-playing game podcast. I think some of the goals could be getting, like, free print and plays for, like, games we're working on. I know people like those Slack or Discord channels. Boom! Yes! I would totally love to hang out with their names with a Slack channel. Also, I cut a lot of crap out of these episodes, and I'd be willing to upload the cutting room floor stuff. And I could even upload the raw episodes so people can hear the difference between the fully published version and just the raw version, because maybe some people would like the raw version, hearing all the uhs and ums and the likes and the and the whatever. So there's so much we can do. Rather than hearing what you think, I want to hear what the knaves and knights think. So they should totally write us in their ideas or tweet us some of your ideas if we should go ahead and do a Patreon to help us keep the quality going and motivate us to do more and provide us the essentials so we can have the Slack channel. But, you know, Byron Morgan said it best. It really is the listeners that make the show and we really want to hear from you. So please send in everything you can. And there is something I really wanted to point out with what he said. If you remember at the beginning, and and I'll replay the beginning for you, listen to this part. It's Byron. You might remember me from such things as being your first official Tuesday night, and it's been zero change. Oh well. So he said, first night, there's been zero change, and he kind of said it with disappointment in his voice. And my heart goes out to Byron and all the other nights, because you've done us such a great service. I think we should pay them back besides just having them on the show. How do we reward people for sending in submissions? We knight them. Yeah, anything else besides that? Maybe we could send them a free copy of Duel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, if you've already been dubbed a knight, please email us back. I'm even talking to you, Dame Becky Rolf. Everyone who submitted, please submit your addresses. No, we're not going to show up. It's nothing creepy just a mailing address so we can mail you something special. And this is going to be retroactive, but also, what's the opposite of retroactive? Going forward. Okay, sure. Going forward, anytime you send us a submission, you should go ahead and include the address if you're comfortable with it. Not only will we knight you, but we will send you a 
thank you. Something a little official to make you feel like you're a knight. Sean, where should they send their Knave Tonight submissions? Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. If they want to follow the podcast on Twitter, where do they go? At PlayTKG. If they want to follow you, what do they do? At Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. If they want to follow me, what do they do? You're on the tweets at A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. And then you're also on Facebook. Very good. 100 episodes, Sean. How does it feel? Feels good. Do you think we'll have 100 more? If we keep doing it every week, I think we will. We should uh, do it like the alcoholics do it, one day at a time, because if I think of 100 episodes, I get really anxious. Oh my goodness. It gets really intimidating. Let's uh, end the show, shall we? Yes, we should, definitely. I think with that being said, Sean, this 100th episode is finally... Finished! Hey, knaves and knights, don't forget to tune in next week because this weekend I'm going to Vancouver for the Shucks Show. That's the Shut Up and Sit Down Expo. So episode 101 is going to be all about my adventures hanging out with the Shut Up and Sit Down crew. It's going to be a live recording episode. So if you're going to Shucks, make sure you attend the live recording of the Tuesday Night Podcast. We got Quinn's for real this time. Maybe. I don't know. Paul, perhaps. Matt Lees is doing a presentation with me, a psychologist, about the psychology of what needs board games fulfill. Why do we play board games? Why do we play board games instead of video games? That talk and perhaps more. I hope I can get as much as I can crammed into episode 101. It's going to be a live recording at the show. But it's also October. October is the month of Halloween. Ooh. So we're going to have our annual Halloween episode at the end of the month. Between now and then, we're going to have some great guests. We're going to have Phoebe Wilde, a representative of Bezier Games. In fact, we're going to have the king of Bezier Games on the show, Ted Allspock, himself. He's coming back to the show because he wants to talk all about Sean and I's decision to shelve games if we feel they're too similar to other games that have just been published. I think Ted's going to criticize me, so see our match then. We also have Razlo, Stephen Bailey, the designer of Billionaire Banshee coming on this month. So listen up and submit your Knave Tonight submission so we can knight you and send you a spectacular gift. Oh man, thanks for listening. 100 episodes.